Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast. It's all change in the Premier League after a weekend of very interesting, if not always, blockbusting action. My name's Sam Steen and joining me this week are Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Colin Boogs there as well. Hi, Colin. Hi, lads. And Anthony Kelly. Hi, Ant. Hi, uh, lads. How are we doing? Not too bad. So we're recording on a Tuesday, which means this will be listened to on a Wednesday. So first off, before we get going, Peter, I want to ask you the question that everyone's going to be asking on Wednesday morning. Uh, how many pancakes have you had? Uh, I had uh, 57, Sam. 57, good number. That's a good round number. <laughs> Colin, where are you, where are you at? Uh, I've had a reasonable 172. Good, 172. Yeah, nice, 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 nice. And Ant? Um, I've been quite sort of conservative this year. I've just had the 260 so far. 260, so, yeah. good. Are you, are you all lemon and sugar men or, or do you go for anything else? Oh, lemon and sugar, got to be. Man, man of tradition, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm straight to diabetes. That's my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right then, let's. Uh... Remind, Sam, that question reminds me of the uh, if when they asked Tim Sherwood if you liked uh, if you liked brie and other friends and French cheeses, and he, <laughs> and he replied, "No, only cheddar for me. I ain't got no time for that fancy muck." <laughs> <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, well, let's get back to the football if we can. Moment of the week. Uh, Peter, let's start with you. Um, yeah, it's going to have to be uh, the, the ball boy after the Merseyside derby. Clapping, uh, clapping at Jurgen Klopp and, and asking him if he enjoyed the World Cup final after Klopp's comments uh, about how it was like the World Cup final to Everton. Because I just love moments like that. I've done them when I was a kid, and I've had them done to me now since. Like you can, you know, Klopp just wants to throttle the life out of him, but like he can't. There's definitely and, a moment uh, when he's like making his way over, and then he realizes, "Shit, there's loads of people and a camera here," because he, he wants to nut him. You can see it. <laughs> and and then uh, and then the, the father came out with the with the Richard Keys defense. It was only banter afterwards. <laughs> it was brilliant, but I like I just yeah. Like I, obviously, I enjoy watching kind of um, Liverpool not doing well quite a lot, and uh, but just Jurgen Klopp, he, he's putting together some portfolio of excuses. Like that's just that's another brilliant aspect as well. After games, Liverpool not well in, do well in just hearing his uh, yeah his plethora of uh, crazy excuses. So um, yeah, that was great fun. Yeah, yeah, he's catching up with Alan Pardew with those things. Uh, Colin, what about yourself? Well, for the second time this decade. There was an absolutely monumental last-minute winner between Watford and Leicester. Uh, this time by Andre Gray scored the winner. Also funny because it was Brendan Rodgers' first game in charge of Leicester. Mm-hmm. And they looked like they were definitely going to get something out of it. And then Gray finishes it because Casper Schmeichel's trying to be too smart with his kick out. And uh, the, the place went wild. And I love, one of those, love those moments where you can feed it through the TV, the atmosphere, when it's like raucous. And... Um, yeah, the first time was Troy Deeney. I don't know if you all remembered a few years ago. Oh, it's one of the greatest game. moments ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the great moments, especially from uh, the commentator's point of view. Unfortunately, Gray's one syllable surname doesn't really lend itself to it. But like, it was, um, it was a brilliant moment for me. So that's mine. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, and what about yourself? I don't know if anybody's seen it yet because it was it was one of those sorts of games that sort of fell down the uh, the casting order on match of the day. And to be fair, it wasn't one that jumped out at you. But um, Wolves Cardiff at the weekend. Did, if anyone's seen Raúl Jiménez's goal to make it two 0 it was just yeah. an absolute belter. Like you know the, the, yeah. the ball that they were playing, like loads of really quick and snappy interplay, and they sort of like flitted between Cardiff's lines at like lightning speed. And um, you, you know your man. Um, Gibbs White was involved and Jimenez is just sort of ghosting in at the far post and just just walks the ball into the back of the net but it's it really was a belter of a goal and um, I, I genuinely think at the moment Wolves are um, they're, they're, they're so impressive and they could well be the they're the best promoting teams in the Premier League for me they've been fantastic this season they've spent a lot of money but absolutely superb footballer playing yeah, no lost to Huddersfield twice though what's that? They lost to Huddersfield twice. That's the, that's the kind of big blot on their on their copybook, like you know. Yeah, yeah this is true. Those kind of weird ones, isn't there? Uh, anyway, let's talk about uh, the the Merseyside derby then. And Peter mentioned already about how uh, Klopp was a little bit tetchy after this one, and and he has been a bit of late. Uh, I mean, I know everyone's kind of saying, are they are they losing their nerves? Are they starting to bottle it? Is that fair? Is that accurate or is it just one of those things is it a Merseyside derby followed following a, a game against United two draws actually isn't that bad 
Well, yeah, I think some of the, the, the bottling narrative is starting to get a bit tiresome, to be honest with you, and it's a bit boring, and just, it, it, it's almost like a bit of a lazy thing to chuck at people. Everyone knows Liverpool haven't won the league in such a long time, and it, it's, it's obviously going to be a factor, uh, that sort of mental, hurt, mental hurdle to get over and, until they do win it. it it's going to be a factor, and, you know, like any Manchester City fan will tell you, in 2012, what they had to go for any Man United fan will tell you in 93, what they had to go to to break that drought. So yeah, definitely it, 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 it may be part of the equation, but if you're going to be brutally honest at the moment, nobody expected Liverpool to be in the position that they're in. You know, we all had this conversation at the start of the season and I think the question was how many points were City going to win it by? Um, so, you know, in terms, of, in terms of depth and quality, I think City's squad is just, you know, it's, it's not a patch on Liverpool's um, at the moment. So, all this sort of slinging, oh, they bottled it. Yeah, we, we've had opportunities to pull clear of City, but I think um, just, you know, draws at, Man, draws at Man United and draws at Everton, they can happen in a season. Um, and I, I don't think it's fair to say that they've, they've bottled every single result that they haven't won. We've only lost once this season, to be fair, as well. Um, you know, let, let's be let's be brutally honest, it was not a great display again um, by Liverpool. It was, it was an awful game. I don't know if any of you... Any of you uh, got through the full 90 minutes, but it wasn't great for the neutrals, to be fair. Um, and I'm speaking to three Manchester United fans, so I'm not really addressing three neutrals. But like, <laughs> it wasn't. Um, but it wasn't a great game. And it wasn't a great spectacle. Um, uh, derbies can often be like that, where it just I don't know. Everton just desperately didn't want us to win. They haven't won a derby for so long, and I think they sort of flew out at us. And but we it was just failed, though, wasn't it? Because they, like, they did go for you. It wasn't one of these sort of attritional kind of, you know, dogged no, no, nil-nil yeah. draws. They, they they went at you, and that's the kind of game nearly that you'd expect Liverpool to go. Oh, brilliant! Here we go. Yeah, they, they went at us, and I think as a consequence, the the, the sort of first twenty minutes, our front three were very isolated, and I think Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho, they were just trying their best to try and slow the game down. And I think actually that suited Everton and maybe that was Silva's plan just to sort of fly at Liverpool, rattle them a little bit and then just sort of for almost force us to sort of pass the ball across the middle to try and take this thing out the game, which is what basically happened. Um, you know, we we were poor again in terms of creativity. We just couldn't find that spark. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, the, the massive chance Salah missed and it was an absolutely glaring miss but in all honesty you know three chances created all game when you're trying to win the league um, it's not good enough really uh, you know most second chance was it wasn't really it didn't really come at the end of a, a great bit of football it was just Matip carried the ball an extra 30 yards uh, took a bit of a knock on a tackle and the ball deflected through to Mo and again he he took that, that poor touch and allowed, um, allowed the defender to get the block in but there wasn't really any sort of Convince and pastures of play by Liverpool, which was very surprising, if I'm being totally honest. And people talk about the subs being poor, but in in defence to Klopp, he made two attacking subs. He brings on Lallana and Firmino, um, and you know what, what, what what's he going to do? I think the really poor sub that he made was Milner for Wijnaldum, um, for Wijnaldum. That was a really strange one. That was the one where I was scratching my head a little bit. Um, I think when we took Wijnaldum off, the last sort of 20 minutes went out the window and we just lost all control of the game. And it was actually Everton who looked more likely to go on the counter and win. Um, so, yeah, there, there was there was definitely some strange decision-making going on. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... I, some of the hysteria, and even from Liverpool fans, um, the hyperbole going on about Liverpool throwing it away and they bottled it again. If, if we're being brutally honest, lads, you know, I don't think anybody expected Liverpool to, to run City so close this no, season. No, 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 I don't think so. But Peter, have they bottled it? <laughs> um, no, I, no, no, I know it's I too early, think, isn't it? I, I think Liverpool. I think we've kind of. I think most people have said. I think most people did expect Liverpool to, to have a run at the league this year. If I'm honest, after the, the spend they had last year and getting to the Champions League final. Um, but I, I think everybody at the same time thought City City would win it, and I, I've always thought that Liverpool would probably have their best ever season in the Premier League this season, but still not probably win the league. And yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I think you're kind of counting on. It looks, it's it, it's very very it's 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 very close, and, and Liverpool just have to hang in there at the moment because. You know, you can say they're not to say it's bottling it is a bit strong, but they do look nervous and they aren't playing well. Um, you know, it's easy. It, like on one hand, it's easy to say a, a draw against Man United is um, isn't that bad a result, and it's not normally. But the circumstances, Liverpool, you know, United were there for the taking, and 
and um, Everton, Everton were on a poor run of, run of form as well. I thought even apart from Salah's chance, and, and I feel sorry for him because he's a victim of his own success. Um, yes, absolutely. Like I, I saw, I saw today. Like it's the first time he's gone three consecutive games in the Premier League without scoring for Liverpool, which is just insane. Like so. Um, well, that, but that's what happens when your standards are so high people are going to pick them apart but I thought even in the second half they had some chances there was one in particular where he, like I think Mane was free at the back post it was a simple little clip cross and he, he just he hit it by him I thought to, I just noticed with Mane and him there's a lot of a really good counter-attacking uh, opportunities kind of breaking down just kind of because of poor um, because of just poor uh, execution of passes and, and, and selection of passes Um uh, like I, I actually thought it was it was really like it's you you wouldn't it's not the kind of game um that was you know entertaining or for the purists or whatever but it was fascinating and, and like edgier seat stuff I still felt because there's so much riding on it like we talked about it last year like everyone got bored of watching City even though they were playing some of the best football ever and you were looking at you know once the league was gone you're looking at the relegation games and the top four games because. Sport just means more when there's actually something riding on it, and there was so much riding on that the other yeah. day. You know what I mean? And, That's yeah, um, yeah. Like, I, I thought Everton were absolutely they were good in the second half, but like in the first half, apart from the first five or six minutes, maybe ten minutes, they were dire. All they were doing was pumping the ball up for Virgil Van Dijk for for heading practice, basically. You know what I mean? Um, and I I think that for it, it's it's really flipped with Liverpool because last year they were this kind of like superb attacking, like blow you away team, um, but kind of ropey defensively. And now, if, if if they do win the league, it'll be down to their defence more than anything. I believe. Like I remember being out going out with with Danny um, at the start of the season, and we were at a there was a load was there. We were, we were at a at a meal, and he was telling us all that Virgil Van Dijk was the best central defender in the world, and there was a mix of United Arsenal fans, you know Liverpool and. To, like most people just thought it was Danny just getting carried away with himself, but honestly, does I can't think of a better central defender out there at the moment than, than Virgil Van Dijk. He, he's absolutely colossal at the back for Liverpool. Like, so what? Um, what, what is it then, Colum? If they've if they've shored things up at the back, do you kind of sacrifice that attacking potency by doing that, or is there something else that's missing? Is it just that they're misfired? You know, because they've got they do have all that talent up up top, but it just doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Yeah, it's the over-reliance on the front three, I think, for goals and even more specifically for Salah because Firmino's having a strange season and Mane's a bit in and out. But, they, well, like, I said months ago that, like, if you were playing uh, a game of football manager, let's say, that Liverpool have an absolutely brilliant squad if you were to start a game. You Like, they have positions, like, they say they have cover for every position. And I thought that at the start of the season, but as the season goes on, I'm thinking they just don't provide enough goals from midfield at all and one goal column one yeah. goal from midfield Jeez, that's that's dire isn't it exactly yeah. so then i so um i would like reanalyze my own point about the football manager analogy because i was like yeah they are suitably covered everywhere but they're they're well kind of stocked on paper but it just doesn't translate all the time in the pitch and they are massively overrunning in the front three and i'm also surprised um about why shakiri well, like wasn't brought on um Especially because even going back in December, his two goals against United, and he's a big. I think he sees himself as a big game player too, and just why they're not using him a bit more. Um, so I, I, what I'm really interested to see now is what Klopp does. Does he keep the front three uh, playing, uh, provided they're all fit, of course, or does he start making a few alterations here and there? And also, there's the Jordan Henderson question, which is coming up a bit more now. Um, this is really for Liverpool fans to answer, but like, should he be in the team or not? And if I, the way I'm seeing it from the outside looking in is that I'd have Kate in there ahead of Henderson, a bit more impetus. Yeah. But there, the, the, the case of questions an odd one column. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of Liverpool fans scratching their heads over Kate at the moment. Um, I mean, the the only sort of you know hy- hypothesis, if you like, you can give is that maybe Klopp has looked at him in training and he's looked at the Everton game and just thought, you know, he, he's doing okay. He's technically okay, but um, some of the yeah. physical stuff he hasn't really had that in Germany before maybe and you know the, the German league isn't renowned for sort of frenetic games like that like like we had against Everton and even the United game to be fair was you know it's played at a high tempo counter-attacking and I, maybe he is error on the side of caution too much playing Henderson there for sure 
But he doesn't trust like, them, does he? Right. It's a funny thing with no. Liverpool, though, no. because they're they're so close to being absolutely brilliant, if you think about it, right? They have a brilliant goalkeeper. Virgil van Dijk, yeah. one of the best centre-halves I've seen in a long, long time. Like, he, like I, was watching, I was watching the game on Sunday, and he was the only guy in the pitch who was just relaxed, but yet he was the most effective guy out there. And he just, he played the game as if he knew from the start that they weren't going to concede. And he was right. And they haven't conceded goals. And that was their last four games. Um, I know they've drawn three of them nil all, but like they're all blank, sh- like clean sheets. And Van Dijk's is such a, a prominent part of that. Then you have the discovery of Robertson at left back, who's been a revelation. And then you have the famous front three. So they're so close to being absolutely yeah. brilliant, but they're just a bit short where it really matters. You uh, on the head there, though, Colin, with the Henderson question. I, I think the Henderson question is key uh, because it's that lack of balance in midfield. For me, it's that midfield three that it, it almost dictates how the front three play because the best we've played, in my opinion, um, since the new year was Bournemouth at home. I mean, that game could have been 6-0, 7-0. We absolutely battered Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was that midfield three. I, I really liked it. It was Keita, um, Wijnaldum and Fabinho. And you had Keita... <laughs> It, it, it really made a difference, and it really sort of it, it made that gap between the front three a lot, you know, a lot shorter. And they had that sub constant supply. If you're playing those three: Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Fabinho. You've got three defensive midfield players, and there's not really a forward pass in them. And um, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about Liverpool not replacing um, uh, uh, Felipe Coutinho, but we also lost Emre Can, and we also lost Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain to injury. Um, so there's players who are a bit bombastic from the field and could change the game. You know? Yeah, and I, I, I don't really um, like. I, I think Wijnaldum, if, if if instructed to do so, could is quite talented going forward. And he is. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really like he made his name as an attacking midfielder. I think he scored nearly, you know, close to 20 goals for PSV one year. I know it's only the Dutch league. The Dutch I think league. I might be wrong with, with my with my one goal there. I yeah. Think. yeah. Miller yeah, got you a few, but, yeah, no, I think I, there was a stat match of the day. I think it's only I think it's only one goal from maybe Wijnaldum and then Milner has three. But, you know, they're probably at least two of them are probably penalties anyway. So it's not many, but I'm not so sure. I've seen a lot of people talking and saying Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's going to come back. And But like, I think Liverpool struggle when teams sit deep against him. And, and the Ox is a good player, but like he's not, he doesn't have that much finesse or anything. He's not going to pick a lock. It, I think that's the kind of player Liverpool need that Coutinho is. So I'm not so sure that Everton's going to change. I think there's a lot of people are thinking the Ox, I think he's become a better player uh, than, than he actually no. is while he's been out injured, if you know what I mean. Like, it's, it's desperation, Pete. There's a lot of, like, a lot of Liverpool fans are doing me heading about it uh, with Oxley chamberlain this season because he's not going to come back and play in any way, shape or form. I mean, I read um, that there was an analysis on his knee injury. It was one of the worst knee injuries you can do, apparently. Uh, he went through about three of his ligaments in his knee. So, OK, he might be fit enough to do a training session. He might be fit enough to be back in full training, but he's not really going to have an impact. And as you say, I don't think he's a miracle cure to our problems, but he's a good option. He does at least give you a little bit of a burst and a little bit of life from that midfield three, whereas Henderson, Wijnaldum and, and Fabinho can be very, very flat. And it's almost three defensive midfield players. But, but and, Klopp, and, and would you agree with me? Klopp has gone, like, in all, most of the big games I've seen, like, he has gone with that kind of Milner, Milner, Henderson. He, he, he's erred on the side of caution most of the time when it comes to his midfield threes as well, you know, um, because yeah. if Fabinho's going to sit in the centre, Henderson and someone else either side, he's gone for the work, the workhorse approach in midfield in all the big games. Like, so even though the defence is so strong, I think he, He's still a little bit hesitant, probably because they got picked off so much last year that he just feels he needs that extra protection in there for some reason. But well, uh, yeah. potential banana skins coming up, I guess, for Liverpool. We've got Burnley, uh, who've been kind of nicking points here and there, and Fulham as well, who almost got points against uh, Chelsea at the weekend. We'll talk more on that in a little bit. But first, Bournemouth nil, City won. City managed to go back on top of the league. Uh, it was only 1-0, um, but I guess... And like that uh, Liverpool game, it could have been seven or eight because, well, uh, Colm, I'll start with you, actually. Did this, I mean, was this the most one-sided 1-0 one that's ever happened? Uh, apparently so, because City had uh, City won 23-0 when it comes to shots. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> What's XG? Yeah, XG. But no, Bournemouth, uh, I don't know if you heard this, but they've broken an Optostat since Optostat yeah. began, which is that they had no shots on or off target, yeah. Bournemouth. 
Um, so it was the uh, officially really the most dominant 1-0 win in the last 15 years in the Premier League and also the goal was very Sunday League it was you know a talented player on his weaker foot scores near post keeper who has a hangover from the night before doesn't get <laughs> <laughs> It was so like it was so out of place with like the Manchester City team, but yeah, they um, it was extremely comfortable one nil. I was watching the highlights of the match today, Saturday, and um, there was very few, very few highlights. Probably the biggest, uh, the biggest thing to take from it was Vincent Company's monster fifty yard header yeah, that's uh, right. through one on one, which is amazing. But um, City are City are, are a funny one because I don't know what the rest of you think about this, but it's like. They're almost like the supporting cast this season, and it's all about Liverpool. Like Liverpool are the main player in this season, it's even though City no are now one, one point. No one cares about back. City. I, this is it's, uh, the, it's you know, the one thing that we've come up with uh, <laughs> now on however many shows we've come up with. They're just not interesting, no matter how good they are. So cold, like they're just so cold and deadly, and because it's it's because it's because right, Manchester City Football Club aren't really Manchester City Football Club. Like it's just. They're they're a placing like, but they're brilliant at what they do, and they've they've established this amazing club in the last ten years. But it's nothing to do with Manchester City, if you get me. It's not they a project just, that's been built up. It's you know it's you know it's. Yeah, I'd say just just one kind of concern with with City is that um, De Bruyne is out injured again, and and yeah. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Like from like he he looked like a shoe in to to win the the Player of the Year, except apart from Salah being amazing for Liverpool and, you know, one of the best players in Europe, uh, world-class last season. And he's had next to no impact for City this season because he's always seems to be coming back from injury, just starting to find his feet and then he's out injured again. Do they need um, him? I, that's the thing. I think Bernardo Silva, for me, has probably been the player I've been most impressed with him. He's just stepped up beyond the... Like, he's just been phenomenal this season. I think David Silva's been on the wane slightly, if I'm honest. Um but Bernardo Silva's been superb. Um, I, you know, John Stones is out injured as well. Laporte's injured. Bernardino's out injured. So it's it's not like they haven't had to deal with stuff. But the strength of their squad is is just ridiculous. Like he has Sane on the bench. Um, and he has Mares on the bench most weeks. It, it's Don't just it's phenomenal well. players that would would walk into not just every team in the Premier League, but like the vast majority of of teams competing in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um, and I saw, he said the other day, he's going to go out and spend more money. And, and then when you take into account as well, their 50 million left back has barely, you know, he, he looked great for the first few weeks of the season, but he's, you know, he's taken a break to to, to pursue a social media career for the last <laughs> few months. So, um, yeah, no, it, it's phenomenal how, how, how strong they are, but it, it's they, they're going to have a lot of games now coming up as well. So, um, it, like it, as much as that, like quite rightly, probably the you know they battered Bournemouth one 0 but like it just takes one goal, um, two two narrow wins in in, in the space of a week, like, um. So I, I I personally expect some more twists and turns. I think both teams will, will drop a few points between now and the end, um, for for sure, and and it should it should be very interesting. But now City are in front, they they do look they do look very 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 um. Yeah, it looks like they'll go on and win it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least we'll have a hopefully, hopefully we'll have a, a decent run in. Um, and let's go on to Spurs one, Arsenal one. Um, I mean, again, a low-scoring affair, but loads to talk about in this one. And even before the game, Emery made some serious changes. No Ozil in the starting lineup. Maybe that's not to be. Uh, maybe that's not so unexpected. But Aubameyang not starting was a strange one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it took some cojones to drop him because he's been um, he's been the main man for Arsenal this season, hasn't he? So it was a big call in such a big game, but it almost almost so nearly paid off for him, didn't it? Because they actually um, they, they, they looked. Um, I don't know that they, they, they almost very effective the way they were playing against Spurs, and I think they, they picked up on your man Sanchez at the back um, for Tottenham. I think he was the weak link in that back four, and a, a few times they they seemed to target him with direct balls and. Uh, the actual the goal for Ramsey came from him looking and just sort of giving Ramsey the entire pitch to run into. So I, you know, I, I think um, Eamon is quite a shrewd guy tactically. I've, I've, I've been very impressed with what he's done at Arsenal this season because uh, it's, it's it's as we all said at the, at the start of this campaign. You know, there's a lot of work that needed doing 
at Arsenal to fix them. And it's not the first time they've gone into a game like that against one of the big six and actually played really, really well. Um, we, all, we all know they've got the defensive weaknesses, but they, again, they, they were so impressive. And I think Spurs were a little bit shell-shocked uh, by how sort of um, in the faces they were. And it, it, it was kind of funny. Well, just not so much fun. It was interesting to see and it has been interesting to see Arsenal going into these games with a game plan, which isn't something that kind of they ever seem to do against uh, with, with Wenger. You know, they they just went out and did their thing. And they, they seem to have got that. Uh, I, I know it's a funny thing to say, but they, they've got a bit they've got a bit snide, which which I quite like because they, they were so nice under Wenger. They were so easy to play sometimes. But I know I know Xhaka isn't aiming at signing, but there's. They've got a few players now who look like they're, they're a bit like they'll, they'll leave the boot in and they'll, they'll just give that midfielder something else to think about when he's going in for a 50-50. And you need that. You, you need to be a bit nasty to win a game of football sometimes or to get a result. And um, he, he has given them that a, a little bit of an edge. I mean, I know they didn't didn't get the win in the end, but it, it was very impressive. And in all honesty, they, they've, made a, they've made a bit of a fight for fourth place. I genuinely didn't think they'd be anywhere near. I didn't think they, I thought they'd be, they'd be struggling in sixth place all season, but... Um, fair play to them and I think had it not been for that um, uh, Jan Vertonghen as well it was it was doing that wonderful bit of encroachment on the penalty I don't know if anybody anybody saw yeah. it he was almost it was like four yards behind the boom he hung when the penalty was taken he wouldn't have made it back huh? definitely wouldn't have made it back no no he wouldn't have you know, I was so surprised the referee or the linesman didn't pick up on it because he was so, he was blatantly encroaching but in all honesty, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be I'd be made up with that. <laughs> of course, you would. what about the actual pens themselves, then, Peter? Were they, were they both pens? Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole. Geez, there's enough waffling on Twitter about the Harry Kane when people are getting very upset about the rules. But um, yeah, look for it. Like it, it, you know, it was a push. It was a silly push by by um, by um, Mustafi who. I, when I saw the team sheet and I saw he's playing right back, I thought he's going to get roasted here. But for 72 minutes, he actually, well, I wouldn't say he do, did well, but he didn't do it really, really shit. You know what I mean? And um, and then he went and did that. So he just, you know, he couldn't help but be himself eventually. He was one of the most unreliable players you, you can think of, Mustafi. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought that was, that was a, if you just isolate the, forgetting about the offside and the uproar over that, um, and whether it should have actually stood afterwards, um, I, I would say, yeah, it was Kane knew, Kane knew the contact was coming, it was. But I thought the other one was very, very soft. Um, and it's funny because Davison Sanchez kind of started off, he elbowed uh, Laxdette in the head. I think he was trying to throw his weight around and then he just got made a fool of for the first goal. And then, you know, he, he probably didn't have to, he was having a little nibble at, um, at Aubameyang, but I, I, I thought... Uh, I, th- I thought, yeah, it was very, very harsh. But I, I thought by Aubameyang, it was an absolutely... Uh, he was close. Well, actually, I, I, I'm going to give away something for the end of the show there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, what a terrible penalty. Just a complete lack of conviction. Um, and I, I, I thought it was thought it was hilarious because before the game, like Anne said, you know, he, he went there with a plan and it was very... Arsenal looked more solid defensively away from... Uh, away against a, a top six rival, I think, since maybe 15 years, you know. Like you said, Sam, looked like they never had a plan, really, for a long time, going away to top six rivals. I thought Arsenal, you know, looked looked solid, went there with a plan. Um, and the decision to, to drop, uh, uh, to bring in Lacazette, I, I thought made sense, because actually Lacazette has been in better form recently. And he's a better all-around footballer. He's a better work rate. He's better at holding up the ball. And when you were going with one man up front, he made more sense for that particular game plan, I think, than Aubameyang. So I understood why he did that, you know. Um, but the two lads in the in the BT Sports studio, um, you know, like what Rio Ferdinand and Martin Keown, for not playing Torreira, I think it was, and, and dropping Aubameyang, they were carrying on as if, like, as if Emre had picked two lads from the U team and put them in there, you know, like he picked, like Lacazette's a good player, he picked whoever else in the, in the centre midfield, but then it was quite funny at the end because the two of them came on, 
Torreira got sent off and Aubameyang missed the penalty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for that brilliant punditry again, Rio and, uh, and Martin, top class as well. Oh, well, listen, I, I don't think we can, you know, glass houses and all that, making predictions and then the exact opposite happening. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if we can, uh, <laughs> I don't know what we can say about that. Uh, final word on this one then, Colm. Uh, last time out, we said that Spurs are pretty much safe uh, regarding the top four, but there's just three points in it now. Are they still safe? Um, for the sake of my pride, yes, they are safe because I've been <laughs> saying for months that they're definitely going to get top four. Um, I think they will, though. And I thought, and you know what? I have no logic behind that. But I haven't <laughs> had any logic behind Spurs all season because um, they are they're an, an anomaly. I've never seen any team in the Premier League like them. They haven't signed the player since Lucas Mora in January 2018, and they don't even play him that much as well. Like I mean, they didn't play him the weekend. And they just like, like Christian Eriksen will have like be forced into early retirement because he has to play every minute of every game. And um, apparently is, is, is being the subject of a lot of criticism from Spurs fans at the moment because he's not doing it. Well, he's not doing it because you play him all the time, every time. You never give him a rest. And um, <laughs> to, give, to, to go back to the uh, overused football manager analogy... He would be his status would be very tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who is a manager means you do not play them if they're very tired because they'll do nothing for you. And that's basically how Spurs are summed up. But somehow they're going to finish top four, and I don't know why, but they will. Fair enough. Uh, let's do a quiz then. Uh, it's the usual game. I'm going to name a whole lot of teams that a player has played for. You tell us the player by the team teams even, that he's played for. Uh, so this first player began his career at a club called Seven Stars. Peter, Grant Holt. No. <laughs> uh, went from seven stars to Ajax. Went from Ajax to Celta Vigo. From there he went to Porto. First on loan, then made a permanent. Cullum. Cullum. Bruno Martins Indy. No, but... Great to hear his name. Uh, I'll just write that one down for another episode. Uh, went from Porto to Blackburn Rovers. Ant. Ant. Um, oh, what's his bloody name? This at the Peter, big sense of Peter, four. I've got to give it to Ant for a sec. Is it, was it Christian Benitez, the big sense of forward? No, no. Bloody name, he's a sense of forward. I'm going to go for a man that oh. later on in his career would have would have eating more pancakes than all of us Benny McCarthy it's Benny McCarthy of course it is <laughs> went to West Ham he's just walking around with half a burger hanging out of his mouth <laughs> uh, right then where's my me, uh, me list uh, next player then began his career as Manchester United Cullum Peter or Cullum Luke. Jesus what am I saying Luke Chadwick <laughs> Uh, not Luke Chadwick, no. It will be one day. It, one day, Colm, it will be. Uh, while at United, he did two loan spells, one at Royal Antwerp and one at Wolves. Peter. Peter. Oh, no. Colm. No, wait, 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 wait. I, I still have it. Ah, Roy, there was loads that went over there. Ronnie, no, not Ronnie. Uh, Luke Chadwick. No. <laughs> he just said that. Colm. Oh, did he? Sorry, the line was there. I, I didn't hear Colum. Danny Drinkwater. Not Danny Drinkwater, no. Uh, Got to be quick now. Then he went to Everton. Colum. Peter. Colum. Uh, Tom Cleverley. No. Luke Chadwick. Not Luke Chadwick, no. <laughs> 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 Where was it then? All right, again, maybe be quick. Went from Everton to Sunderland. And. Colum. And. And. Ah, Colum. <laughs> I'm actually. I was going to say John O'Shea, but it's completely fucking wrong. It's not John O'Shea. No, Colum. Darren Gibson. It's Darren Gibson. Darren. Yes, of course. It is. Ah. <laughs> to be fair, the the United Everton Sunderland access is you know it's a well worn, well worn road. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, we'll leave that there. We'll come back to it in a little bit. And before we go any further, can we just get a recap of the scores, Colum? I know you've got one anyway. <laughs> Let me just. I've got to pretend yeah. this time. One and who got the first one? I. That I've was Peter. One. Peter, right? Perfect. I got one. Yeah, will we, can we do one more maybe because it's going to be a long second round, Sam. All right, go on then. Uh, next player began his career at Montpellier. 
Then he went to PSG. Peter. Peter. JJ Okocha. No. Then he went to Newcastle United. Cullum. Cullum. David Ginola. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Cullum. Cullum. I'm Go on, Ant. Ant? Uh, is it Kabai? It's not Johan Kabai, no. Cullum. Cullum. Philippe Albert. No. Then he went from uh, Newcastle. He had a loan spell at Portsmouth. And then he went to Benfica. Cullum. Cullum. Sylvain Distan? No. Went from Benfica to Levante. I'll be honest, lads, his career is starting to wind down at this stage. Went from Levante to Derby County, for whom he played four times. And? And? Not Luwalawad, is it? It's not Luwalawad, no. No, no, no. Uh, Went from Derby then to Toronto FC. And then he finished his career at Larissa in the 08-09 oh, season. Oh, yeah, of course. So he finished up in 08-09. <laughs> oh, this... uh, Peter? Peter? Olivier Bernard? No. Cullum. Cullum. Lauren Robert. It's Lauren Robert. Well done. Oh, Very good. Two oh, points for Cullum. Two points. This means I'm going to have to find loads more while you're chatting in a little bit. Uh, right then. Uh, well, let's move on to Man United 3, Southampton 2. Peter, we'll go with you. This is the game of the weekend. I mean, some unbelievable goals in this game. Yeah, in, ter- in terms of goals, just unbelievable. You wouldn't think David De Gea would be beaten. You don't normally think he'll be beaten from 25, 30 yards. Twice. More than... Once and yeah, twice in the same in this in the same game. Um, but yeah, I was actually funny enough. You were you were saying about making making predictions and um, and then being made to look foolish. Definitely happened to me during that game because you know we we kind of started well enough and then had a few chances, um, didn't take them. Valerie bangs in that worldly, and you're kind of thinking, oh, this could be one of those days, especially because. You know, there was a lot of injuries and, you know, we'd done well to get through the Crystal Palace game, I thought. Um, and I, I thought this, you know, our luck might run out a bit here just because of all the injuries. And, and and we played, I know everybody's played a lot of games recently, but I thought this could be a, a day that we'd, we'd drop points. Um, and then I Pereira gets the ball kind of 25, 30 yards out and Luke Shaw is hairing up on his left. And I, like, I hopped up off the couch and went... Fucking pass it! Fucking pass it! And then he just bent it into the top corner. So uh, yeah, I've had a few of them moments in my time. I'll be honest, like don't shoot, don't shoot, <laughs> and then warm into the top corner. So uh, yeah, that, that was that was you know he he um he good to see him get that goal, especially after the the howler against Burnley. I, I kind of thought maybe we wouldn't see him again. Yeah, no, it's true. He'd a hand then in in Lukaku's goal as well. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's an assist because he passed it to him. I wouldn't, you know, he kind of. Ah, well, he's blocked it down and made the pass. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Fair enough. It wasn't. It's not like a defense bit and pass. No, it's an assist, an assist, an assist. Um, and then I like Lukaku. I think he, he's come out of this last week with with flying colours, with great credit because it really looks like you know he he like I think he's only kind of back into into the team in all honesty because of injuries. Um. You know, he looked like his number could be up at United. Solskjaer has definitely put his, his hat on on Rashford as being his main man through the middle. Um, but Lukaku's responded brilliantly. He's shown himself capable of playing, you know, as one of them split forwards that, that Solskjaer seems to like. And four goals in, in two games, and every single one of them an absolutely blind and finish. Three of them with his right foot, which, you know, you would have thought was, was his swinger, as they'd say, you know. Um, that was very similar to the Crystal Palace goal, um, the, the first one against Southampton, cutting in and and, and uh, putting it low into the far corner. And I kind of thought then, you know, we'll go get a third here. The crowd are up, you know, all at the wheel, all the rest of it. We'll we'll put this to bed. But Southampton, I, like I remember when the the free kick was given a crazy lunge by Ashley Young. It was immense. I don't even still aren't really sure if he kind of if he touched your man Armstrong. I think they just glanced off each other in mid-air and kind of spun in the air. But um, I was just thinking, I was looking going, oh, Ward Prowse is good at these. As soon as the free kick was given away, now nah, he's not going to beat De Gea from there. Nah, he won't beat De Gea from there. And then what a free kick. Like, And 
if I'm perfectly honest, the last 10 minutes, I thought we were atrocious. We couldn't, we couldn't hold on to the ball. We, we were struggling to get it off Southampton. Um, and Southampton looked like the team that were actually going to go and win it. And it's one of them games when you look at a team like Southampton and Hoiberg and Romeo were superb in the centre. Redmond and, and Bertrand an absolute nuisance. And you just, some days you look at them and just think, how are they struggling down the bottom of the league, you know? Um, they were they were really good to be to be fair to them and if I'm honest probably didn't deserve to lose the game but then Lukaku kind of pops up out of nothing just a breaking ball on the edge of the box and uh, a super finished his first ever goal for United from outside the box and the first time since 2016 he scored from outside the box so uh, it's a great really goal as well huh it's a great goal as well was he, he wasn't yeah, even it was, looking yeah especially at, like in the last minute as well so. Um, yeah, really, or whatever, 88 minutes, but really, really happy for Lukaku. And geez, I don't know, like we, we can talk all like I'm still kind of beating the drum that I'd like Pochettino, but like to just keep winning games, like it's 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 phenomenal. Like we're the, like it's, it's like the stats, like we're the four, form team in the, in the league. Like we've, I think, since Solskjaer came in, we've, I think City, points. yeah, by five to City, I think yeah, it yeah. is, you know. Um, so. Yeah, no, because so like we're winning the post Jose Mourinho Premier League, so like it's brilliant. But, uh, <laughs> and that's yeah, all that no, matters. Like, I, I, it's just it, it's really really <laughs> impressive, especially with all them injuries to, to, to keep winning games. Well, that, that's what um, I was just going to say to Cullen there, because I mean there are all those injuries, and they are coping, and they are bringing in players, and you know that the squad players are doing the business in a way that they haven't done, not just for Mourinho but for previous managers as well. Yeah. yeah it, sorry, Colin. Yeah, no, like that's that's exactly what it is. And we used to get a lot of injuries as well under Fergie. And we were bound to if he's there for twenty seven years in fairness. But we were always able to um always able to cope. I remember there was one one game in the I mean this, I know this is harping back to the past and you asked me about the present, but it is it's relative in that there was one game we played, I think, the midfield of like our I, central defense. I know Fletcher. I know exactly the, the one you're talking about, yeah. 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 And, you know, we, we did the job and it's, I'm not saying it's, it's those levels of uh, injuries that we have now, but we are doing the job. And I suppose what it comes down to is, look, if you're playing uh, for Manchester United, all right, and we all have our opinions on all the players, if you're playing for Manchester United, even if we're not the side we used to be, you're still going to be an absolutely brilliant player. And that's, that's including the likes of, say, Ashley Young and, say, Antonio Valencia, who will be very maligned in terms of United fans. But they're brilliant players. So they can adapt to different positions. And what it's all about at that level is just buying into what the manager is saying. Because they're all good enough to play. Like. So it's just buying into what Solskjaer is doing. And the, the difference between this regime and the, pa- and the last one, is, like, it's so stark. And I, I mean, in all of this, the most interesting man to me isn't necessarily Solskjaer. It's Mourinho now, what he's thinking. Mm. Uh, because he must be looking at me, look, these bunch of pricks. <laughs> like they're getting, like they're getting results everywhere, and um, they're playing great football. I mean, I agree with Pete to an extent that against Southampton we weren't great in those last ten minutes, especially. But I really enjoyed that match again, and um, it's been I brilliant fun. It's it. been so I I've loved yeah. every minute of it. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I, I, it's a testament. Sorry. Go Sorry, on. Sam, go no, on. no, I'm just saying, like, I've enjoyed watching United for the first time in years. Like, I remember Peter watching yeah. watching them under, under Van Hal with you and just been like, yeah. oh, so fucking yeah. bored. This is just so you know, terrible. You know, yeah. It's a testament to you know how much I liked skills, it. And, uh, Pete, you know how much I liked that Southampton game? When we went 2 1 up, I was like, oh, that's a bit disappointing because that's the game now, right? And I, <laughs> I no, because the part of me was like, I actually don't mind if Southampton score here. Because we'll we'll probably win it anyway. So when Ward Prowse took the free kick, I was like, eh, we'll see what happens. And then don't be we score. I would never in a million years have thought about that at the start of the season. No, no yeah. chance. No chance. And, and one a, thing, a, yeah, you're right. I heard you're going to say, Peter, it's a testament to his man- management. But I think there's more than that. I think one thing that we've spoken about with uh, since Ferguson left is that the players have felt... The, it, it immediately gave the players an excuse that no player at Manchester United ever had for nearly 30 years, which was, it's the manager's fault. Under Ferguson, the players yep. the players could never point to the manager. There could never be... The, the dressing room could never turn on the manager because they were out. They were not bigger than the manager. And the minute he left, 
the players became bigger than the manager. And I'm not saying that Solskjaer is like that as well, but he's got such goodwill behind him from the crowd that no one else has ever had since Fergie. And, you, you know, that's going to take him a long way with character and with feeling there from the Ferguson days that, you know, you, you, you kind of get the feeling that they're, the players are starting to buy into what the club is about, not so much just what the manager is about. And, and Neville talked a lot about, uh, Gary Neville has talked a lot about there being a way, you know, I don't know, I hate, you know, we all hate the West Ham way and the Man United way and all this kind of thing, but that there's a philosophy or that there's a, a way that the club should play and that's how the, the managers or the coaches should go in and just buy into that more than anything else. I wonder, is that got anything to do with it? Yeah, yeah, like I, I definitely think he's, yeah, if you, 100%. The, the club is united, you know, the fans are, the, the fan, everything is in unison at the moment with the club, the players, the management, the fans, the backroom staff, even down to, you know, you hear reports of even like the tea lady smiling, you know, that had gone, everyone around the club is is enjoying themselves and, and that that's, that's a massive thing. If people enjoy themselves going into work every day, you're, you're probably gonna probably gonna get um, better results. And I think as well, I think I, I, it's a very good point you're making, Sam. About I think United were unique in that if you, if United player didn't do well, it was his fault. Whereas at every other club, pretty much, if a player didn't play well, people would also be looking at the manager. It's just how football evolved during the time Ferguson was there. Um, but I, I think because for because Solskjaer came in as, as a caretaker and because there was the whole thing with Mourinho about well was it the players was it Mourinho, um I, I think the players knew as well that they had to perform when Solskjaer came in otherwise it you know it would people would basically say well you're not good enough you know and the players have have responded brilliantly and. And it, like Colin said, like you've both said, it's just it's, it's just a, an, an air of, of fun about watching Man United at the moment that, that have been lost for, for so long. Now, I do think, on the other hand, that Solskjaer is no mug and I think, he, his, I think he's playing the game a little bit, if I'm honest, because, you know, I'm sorry, when you have like 10 first, first players out injured, I think Solskjaer is well aware that people got sick of Mourinho's moaning and the negativity all the time. So I think he's purposely always being positive, even if he doesn't necessarily feel that way, because when he has 10 players out injured and he goes, actually, you know, it's brilliant. No, it's actually really positive because I get to play the kids from the academy and all. Really, would you really be saying that behind the, behind the scenes? You know yeah, what I, mean? I wonder how many I times Ferguson I, actually told the truth in the press conference. Yeah, like I know. Twice. Managers never <laughs> rarely tell the truth. But I'm just saying, I do think he is, he is very much... And fair play to him, he's, he's, it's, it's intelligent. But I do think he is purposely being as positive as possible because he knew what went before him, if you know what I mean. Mm. Arsenal up next in the league. Um, we, we saw them have a, have a plan going to Spurs. What about this then? Massive game. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it, that's set up to be an, an absolute cracker of a game. And I, I suppose we'll get on to it as well. But I think the, I think one thing that really hit home you know, over the last week was just how long a week is in football. Like Chelsea looked dead and buried at the top. Well, I wouldn't say dead and buried, but they looked like they would be finishing sixth kind of last week. But they've had a really strong week. Like they starting to look good as well. So that race for that fourth place is well and truly hotting up. And like Chelsea, Chelsea win their game in hand. They go fourth. And then with us playing... Um, you know, with us playing Arsenal next week, it's it's an absolutely huge game, and uh, like we did, we we bet them quite comfortably um, in the FA Cup. But I just get a feeling this one will will be a lot closer. Um, but you know, we've been to London what three times since he's came in against top six clubs, and we haven't conceded a goal. So um, I like I wouldn't be saying I oh, will definitely go there and win, um, but consider like we're on the another Solskjaer staff. Eight, eight away wins, the most ever by a Manchester United manager ever. Like, yeah, that's just phenomenal. It is so, amazing, yeah. uh, and I, like, I'd love to go. I'd love to go to an away game at, at the moment. I'd say that the atmosphere within the away support is just 
off the charts. Yeah, like, it sounds um, unreal. Um, I, 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 absolutely huge game, Sam, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see what happens there. And, of course, PSG uh, tomorrow night. But I think that one's, we can pretty much write that one off. Uh, Chelsea then, uh, Peter, you just mentioned them, but uh, Ant, they won 2-1. They beat Fulham uh, under Scott Parker, which I actually didn't realise until the game started <laughs> that that had happened. Um, but, yeah, as Peter says, that they're... they're they're back on track, and Kepa's back in goal, and they're scoring goals. His players as well, Higuain and uh, Jorginho. Yeah, he's a managerial genius, isn't he, again, <laughs> Terry? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I'd, it's hard to tell with Chelsea um, what, what the hell's going on, because they're so up and down over the past couple of months. So you, you know, they've beaten a team in the bottom three, 2-1. Yeah, fine, you know, they've gone and got the job done. Yeah, they, that, that's all you can ask of them. Um I, if I'm being brutally honest, I think the writing may already be well beyond the wall um, for Sabri, regardless of what happens. I don't mean just to be negative against Chelsea, um, but yeah, it, 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 it's all well and good beating Fulham, but there's, there's already been a lot got under the uh, under the bridge now, hasn't there? They so, bet Spurs as well, and though during the week, to be fair, like say again, they bet Spurs as well, like during the week. Yeah, yeah, they, they, that's fine. Yeah, they beat Spurs, but as, as I say, I just think with with the way some of the, the, the players have, have been. Down in tools. I mean, I, I don't think you can also um, undermine what Aspilicueta's role in that kind of about cup final as well as the captain. I think he he, he just sort of disappeared. Um, so I, I I just don't know if there's something wrong there with, with the players behind the scene, whether they're just not clicking with Sarri. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's a good win. All he can do is go there and win and just try and keep the season on track. Which is they've certainly got the players to to stay in touch, but they've they've done a lot of damage now to this to their season. And with United and Arsenal being in such good form um, I suppose the only thing they can hope for is that you know there's, there's some damage done between Man U and Arsenal in, in this coming up, up and coming game and they can make up some ground but there's definitely uh, they definitely slipped to being the uh, the rank outsiders now for that fourth spot which is quite damn when you think that they've, they've got some decent quality in those ranks so for them to have faded so fast is, it's quite startling really I'm not, I'm not so sure mate I'm sorry like I'm sorry I'm, I'm not so sure like if they win their game in hand they got a point ahead and then if Man United, of both Man United and Arsenal, and then you know if if United and Arsenal draw, say Chelsea are then clear in in fourth. I know they have to win their game in hand, but mm. like as as much as you and like I think they've kind of come through that a bit. And you look at that Chelsea squad, the international players they have, and everything. Yeah, yeah. They like they they they'd be the kind of team that might just be able to turn it on for the next ten games. I, I'd be really. I, like it's really changed. Like that's why my point of how short a week is in football. I'm looking at Chelsea now, worried that they could go. That they're our biggest threat for the top four now, not Arsenal. Um, I don't know, mate. It's, it's that mentality, Pete. Though you know, I just there's, there's something about this current Chelsea team. It's a bit like what I said about Leicester the other day. You know, they've got players there who have just got history of down and tools as well. Uh, yeah, maybe they've come through it, but you know, I don't know. They've, they've done some. Um, They've done some damage, reputational damage there. Like you know, they've definitely got the ability and the quality in the ranks to make a challenge for it. Definitely, but for my money, they're they're the outside team at the moment. I know they've got that game in hand, but um, you know, I think they'd have to go on and win pretty much every game to 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 at least have a chance of um, of nicking that fourth spot against us at the moment. Well, they've got they've got a pretty tough run in actually. They've got. Oh, uh, let's see. They've got uh, Everton, they've got West Ham, they've got Liverpool, Burnley, who knows what could happen to that. United, Watford and Leicester. Like, none of them pretty, none of them are gimmies really, are they? Brighton, maybe. That's the game in hand. Uh, anyway, uh, Fulham, uh, Colin, yeah. just want to quickly oh. ask you about them. Um, they're 10 points off safety now. Are they gone? Oh, they could just have a party to the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Start experimenting with the 2-8 formation. Um, yeah, it's like it's a shame because um, you know Fulham are harmless in a good way, and I think everyone likes having them around. You know, they have like uh, they you know their stadium is adorable in Premier League terms, and they're just you know they're a lovable team, and uh, it's a shame to see what happened with them. But they just seem to start. They went top heavy with their signings, and. Um, Ranieri will. I mean, that's the kind of appointment, right? Claudio Ranieri and his tenure in general. That if we're talking on this pod in two or three years' time, someone will bring up that he was there, and we'll all be like, "Oh fuck it, yeah, Claudio yeah, Ranieri yeah. was." Manager. <laughs> and that kind of sums up uh, 2018-19 for Fulham. It's a shame they have, uh, like Ryan Sessegnon, one of the most exciting young players around. Mitrovic is a brilliant striker. 
Um, John Michael Seri uh, is a good midfielder uh, on his day. So they have individuals of interest as well. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things I'd say their fans will enjoy next season a lot more than this year, you know, when they'll be able to actually be challenging and competitive in the league. Um, yeah. If they could do it all over again, they would, put it that way, in terms of their approach. Yeah, no, he's been absolutely. a bit of a letdown session, hasn't he? That that session on for Fulham has tipped for massive things this season, wasn't he? He yeah. really, really yeah. has been a letdown, hasn't he? There's been flashes. There has there, there was one assist. Yeah, yeah, he, there was one assist he had it was phenomenal. It, it was kind of a cross pass, but uh, yeah, I've been a bit let down by him as well. And not not that mm. he, I know he's a kid, but I kind of expected a bit more. Like. Yeah, 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 especially when they, 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 there was loads of clubs linked to him, wasn't there? United and Liverpool both linked to him. He'll be at Spurs next year, probably. Uh, right then, uh, we <laughs> will do Prick of the Week in just a minute, but first, the second round of the quiz. Scores and scores. I've written them down. Columns two, Peter's one, and still to score. Uh, and the first player that we have in the second round began his career um, at a club called ASC DRF. He never played for them, never scored. Then he went to a club called Vevi. Again, never played for them, never scored. But then he went to a club called... New Chatel Zamax, and he played for them 19 times and scored four goals. He was playing for FC Zamax, I'd say. He was chilling out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, he went to Grasshoppers. Cullum. Cullum. Hacken Yakin. No, another, another good shout. Uh, then he went to Lens or Lens. What the hell? From there, he went to Fulham. Cullum. Cullum. Um Steve Marley. No. And. And. Not Louis Sahar, is it? Not Louis Sahar, nope. Then he went to Portsmouth. Nobody? Probably best known for his time at Fulham and Portsmouth. Uh, then he went to AEK Athens. Just for a year. <laughs> and then he went back to West Ham. Luke Chadwick. Not Luke Chadwick, no. <laughs> Went to West Ham and then finished his career at Birmingham. Only played for them twice, but scored once. Oh, this is really obvious. He's a striker, Sam, yeah? Um, no, he's not. He's a, a defensive midfielder, actually. What the hell? Actually, he's listed on Wikipedia. They didn't have any defensive midfielders, did they? No, exactly. <laughs> he's uh, listed as defensive midfielder slash centre back, actually, on Wikipedia. Is it, Colum, is it the, the wardrobe, Papa Booba Diop? It is exactly Papa Booba Diop. Brilliant. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Three. I mean, that's yeah, it. Well. That's it. Done. 3 1. We can end it there. Uh, Colum's won the game. Is, is that a hat trick, Colum? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, it's a hat trick. <laughs> Unbelievable. Three wins from I'm gonna three, have to get lads. I'm going internet provider. I used to win these all the what time. What is going on? Jesus. Uh, finally, then, it's just time for Prick of the Week. Peter, who have you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, just what a shit penalty. That, like, that, kind of, that, that just annoys me. Like, like if you're going to take a penalty, like, I... T- took a few in me day like just hit the fucking thing like there's nothing worse yeah. than so like, weird. just yeah. feebly t- like taking a penalty like that just last minute if you're not sure just put your foot through I don't care if it goes flying over the bar at least you actually tried with conviction to score that that just riles me such a poor penalty as that um, in the last minute um, against your your club's biggest rivals as well you know what I mean so uh Sorry, Pierre, you're an absolute prick. What a prick. And what about you? Uh, I've gone for the lovable prick of the week angle this week. And uh, I, I, I touched on it earlier. I just, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be taking my hat off to him uh, just for the just for the outright cheek of him encroaching on a boomerang, you know, Batongan, <laughs> being about five yards behind him as he's taking a penalty while the referee's looking down the line. And then he absolutely goes goes back and makes a fantastic clearance to stop him from going in. I mean, like, you know, it, it was a ship end, but that that follow up, uh, that follow up clearance was fantastic, and I think just by sheer audacity, I love it. I love it. I love that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Lovable prick of the week. Lovable prick. Fair enough. And uh, Colm, who have you got? Uh, Kepa. No. <laughs> I, I'll, uh, Until the end of the go... season, it's just Kepa. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to say it every week, but uh, I'm actually going to go for one that was one of the lads is. Uh, 
moments of the week, it's again a lovable pick of the week, is that Everton ball boy just winding club, clap right up. Yeah, it made yeah. me chuckle, but I also thought, what a prick. But uh, it was fantastic. It was shithousery of the highest order. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a similar kind of moment where I kind of just whispered what a prick to myself, which, which actually happened twice, which was uh, I saw... Declan Rice score for West Ham and be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and then I saw Jack Grealish score an un, just an absolute yeah. worldie. And I just whispered to myself, I was going, fucking pricks. You know, I understand, I understand, you know, national identity and all that is, is very personal. And, you know, who knows what happens when you're brought up in a different country from what your nas- parents, nationality and all that kind of stuff. I understand all that, but still, fucking pricks. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever see the Sam? Do you know the kind of uh, do you, you know Arsenal Wenger's claim to have signed nearly every great player, and there's all these like um, the, the 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 best eleven of players Wenger almost signed. Yeah, yeah. If it keeps going on like this, we'll have a, like a best eleven of Irish players who are Irish youth players who went on to start for England. It's yeah, I know, hard. I know. Well, fucking pricks anyway good luck to them i hope they have wonderful careers uh that's it for me <laughs> thanks so much for listening we'll be back again next week if you want to get involved in the show you can send us emails to uh, podcast at the football faithful or you can actually mail me at uh football faithful pod at gmail.com i'll get that directly because i checked that more than the other one uh or else you can uh, send us tweets as well and get more great football content at the football faithful.com thanks peter cheers lads enjoyed that thanks colin thanks thank you Ant. Cheers, lads. Nice one. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.